Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Once upon a time, there once was story and storytelling. Story, storytelling, and storytellers. Storytellers are popular the world over because we love story. Not only do we love story, but we live in the stories that we tell ourselves. We pass stories down from generation to generation, communicating something of what we think is important, communicating something of our worldview, communicating something that we feel future generations need to know. Story, storytelling, storytellers. Stories hold the attention. Stories enable the hearer to somehow see themselves. And stories, while dealing with the known, always introduce that extra subtle twist that fascinates and makes the hearer reflect. Story is a brilliant tool in the hands of a skilled user. And Jesus was one of the greatest storytellers that the world has ever known. Story, storytelling, storytellers, words. Words have power. Words create Using language is revelation to us. Using words, God reveals himself to us, and we, using words, reveal ourselves to God and to each other. But culturally, culturally the world that we live in today doesn't always see this anymore. Language is seen as information. Language is seen as entertainment, not so much as a way of revelation. But this morning, if we take a moment to think, if we take a moment to reflect and ponder, we will realize that, what, that what, the words that we use reveal a lot about us. And when we encounter Jesus in the Gospels, what we see is that there are generally three types of speech that Jesus uses. At times we see him preaching. At times we see him teaching. But there are other times when he is more informal, where he is more relaxed, more casual, yet as always intentional. Preaching, teaching, casual. Preaching, we know, is the proclamation or announcing of what God is doing here and now. Preaching is the good news that God is alive, that God is present, and that God is active and taking action. And we know that we are to respond into and from what he is doing. Preaching. Teaching is different. Jesus' teaching was full of metaphor and description that reshaped imaginations and understandings 
of what the kingdom of God was. Think back to those times in Scripture. Think of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is talking to the twelve or when Jesus is issuing the instructions for the community that would be inaugurated on earth following his departure. Time and time again, when Jesus is teaching, he is essentially connecting our ideas of the spiritual and the everyday and bringing them together. Teaching and preaching. Prominent ways that the church still uses to communicate what it is trying to say to the Christian community and to the outside world. But what we see is that there is that third kind of language that Jesus uses. Informal conversation, talk, and parables fall within this category. Parables are different than preaching and teaching because when it comes to parables, we quickly learn that something is required, that there is the requirement for the participation of the listener. Parable literally is para alongside and bowl thrown, something thrown alongside. So what is a parable? Well, scholars inform me that it is the comparison of two subjects for the purpose of communicating truth. It proceeds from the known to the unknown. It's an everyday story with spiritual meaning. It's not an allegory as if every single detail in the story had some deep spiritual significance, but we do find that within parables there is generally one salient point. Its form is flexible and can mean anything from a riddle such as out of the eater something to eat as found in Judges, or to an advanced comparison such as the parable of the sewer that we are going to look at this morning. Story, storytelling, storytellers' words. Why did Jesus use parables to communicate? Well, what we quickly discover is that that question is asked and answered by Jesus himself in our reading this morning. And there are probably three good reasons why Jesus used parables. Notice verse 1 as we shared it together this morning, because there is something significant right from the outset. We see Jesus moving from the synagogue to the seashore. Because as the leaders of establishment religion turn increasingly against him, we find Jesus more and more moving out. Moving out among the so-called common people, where they could hear him gladly. Parables and teaching in parables in Matthew's gospel come after widespread rejection of Jesus' message and person by the establishment figures. It enables Jesus to communicate his ministry by fascinating people, but by not alienating power structures. No doubt Jesus had used parables before, but now against this backdrop of sharpened claims and constant polarization, 
The parables form an ideal vehicle for his continued ministry. Secondly, we see that Jesus valued parables because they were an instrument of revelation. They revealed truth to those who were looking for it, yet hid it from those who were too lazy to look, or indeed hid it from those who were too blinded by hatred and prejudice to discern it. Parables bring light to those who look for it, and for those who do not, the darkness intensifies. And thirdly, we see that Jesus taught in parables because they were a spur towards decision. Hearing parables give you no insight whatsoever without that one moment where it all clicked, without that moment where you responded with, oh, I see. Matthew brings together seven parables in this chapter 13, clearly for a purpose, creating one remarkable chapter deliberately. And what we discover is that on this chapter, the rest of the gospel of Matthew hinges. Because up until now, we have been following Jesus milling around, healing and teaching. But what we discover is that from chapter 13 onwards, Jesus is heading towards his death. And the question that Jesus is asking the original hearers and us, the church and individuals today, is simply this. What is your response to what you've heard? Parables require our participation. Sheep, coins, fathers, sons, seeds. We hear parables, but we know afterwards that something just can't be the same. So we come to the parable that we have shared together this morning, the parable of the sower. We know it well, the sower, the path, the rocky ground, the thorns, the good soil. But what we might know is that actually the parable of the sower is found in three of the Gospels, and it is repeated in those Gospels because it is a significant parable. We discover that within it, Jesus quotes Isaiah 6 and 9, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And what we quickly see is that in Jesus' ministry, he is revealing who he is, but the meaning of him being the Messiah is so different to what people are expecting that they do not see it. Totally different to this Messiah that the people were expecting. And as we encounter this parable in three of the Gospels, what we discover is that in each instance, we find Jesus telling it. We see a crowd, we see the disciples asking a question, and finally we see Jesus' own interpretation of it. Because the people quite aren't quite able to see what he is getting at. And often isn't that true that as we look at something that we are so familiar with, that its meaning gets lessened and we don't see it. What we discover is that Jesus simply tells the narrative. It is easy to understand, yet the listeners and disciples have no idea what he is saying. So let's take a moment to unpack it a little together this morning. Sewer. 
What we quickly see is that the sower that Jesus is talking about in this parable this morning is not himself, but is ultimately God. What Jesus is saying to the crowd gathered there that day is this, that God's Word has gone forth, that God's Word goes out, that God's Word spreads. Remember John chapter 1 telling us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, but what did it do? It moved out into the neighborhood. But notice how the sower sows his seed. We see in the parable that the sower spreads his seed widely, generously, and exuberantly. As we consider seeing the sower doing this, or even think of ourselves in our gardens at home when we're scattering seed, Do you throw it around without abandon, or are you careful in how you do it? If I came to help you, and dear help you, if I did plant, because you know by now that I kill everything I seem to try to plant, even plants that you get in the shop that says just add water, I still manage to kill. But say I came to your house to help you sow some seed, and I was in your garden, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to throw some on the path here you wouldn't be too happy with me. Or if I decided that I was going to throw some among the thorns, you would say, don't waste it. But in this parable this morning, what we have is a picture of the Word of God going out, going out into all sorts of places, because the seed in the parable goes everywhere. So two questions for us this morning. Do we hold back sharing our faith depending on the environment? And do we as a church community hold back sharing our faith depending on the people, location, or environment we find ourselves in? Because this morning as we come to this parable, what we quickly discover is that the gospel is for all. It's for family and friends and neighbors. It's for flag protesters and women in shelters. It's for the poor and the migrants, the drinkers and the mural painters. Are we this morning, this parable is asking, willing to follow the example of God, sharing that word with all? Oh, but that'll get us into conflict, won't it? Yes. And ultimately, the conflict it will get us into will be with ourselves. Because what if people do start coming? What if people's lives are changed who are not the kind of people really that we want to sit beside on a Sunday morning? Disruption, but wonderful disruptions. Story, storytelling, sower, seeds. The metaphor of the seed. What we quickly discover in this parable is that part of the mystery about the kingdom of God is how it almost works invisibly. Yet we know that seeds work. They grow, they mature, they're active, even when there is apparent contradictions. Look, for example, at the seed that falls on the path. It's eaten by the birds. But that is no denial or failure of the seed. Because Matthew's gospel in verse 19 says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This 
is the seed sown along the path. We know that the birds represent the devil. We know how in scripture that the demons almost always knew who Jesus was and recognized him as the son of God while others didn't. But in the other three instances recorded in this story, on the rocky ground, on the thorny ground, and on the well-prepared soil, the seed does its proper reproductive work. Because in each instance, the seeds spring up. But the difference is in how the seeds thrive. It's not down to the seed. It's down to the environment it finds itself in. This morning we want to ask, what kind of soil are we as individuals and what kind of soil are we as a church community? The seed that falls upon the thorn grows and matures but doesn't grow any fruit. The failure To bear the fruit is not a punishment put on it, but rather a moving away from what the seed was designed to do. We can see this clearly from John's Gospel, chapter 15, where we read, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. The branches are not able to bear fruit unless it is in the vine. We must remain in God. So this morning, as we think of ourselves as seeds, are we remaining and abiding in God? Or this morning, do we find ourselves not as thorny ground, but maybe as rocky ground? Maybe God's word was once growing fast, but now is slowed or stopped, and when sunshine comes and life happens, it really just hasn't established itself fully in us, and so it weathers up and gets limp. Thorns, paths, different environments and circumstances. This morning, as we come to the end of this parable, what we discover is that there is a beautiful yet challenging image. Because what we discover is that when God's word takes root in us, it multiplies. It bears fruit. It thrives. It bears more fruit. This morning, we are meant to share the kingdom of God and the words of Jesus with the world around us. We are meant to sow that seed as generously and as widely and as far as the, as the sower does in the parable. Because this morning, as we come to the end of this parable, what we discover with it and with all the others is that parables are incredibly challenging. Parables are incredibly challenging if we participate in them. We find that parables are incredibly challenging when we participate in them. And so the ultimate question this morning is simply this, where are we in the parable? What are we doing? What do we need to be doing? And how can it be different? How can we sow that seed on the street around here and around botanic, and around the world, as the sower in the parable did. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, you told great stories. You told stories that helped people make sense of their lives. 
Stories that reveal God in everyday things. Stories that encouraged and changed people. This morning we pray, make us more ready to share our stories. Give us words when we are tongue-tied. Confidence to know that our own stories matter. Tact to know the right places to tell them. And also, most importantly, make us ready to listen to those who share their stories with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.